0: Used to be one of the you like Used to be you like
1: Picking up trash, you know? We're surfers, we love the beach. You know, when I was just in Montauk, like showing the line for the first time, like I did this little beach cleanup. And I think it's so important, it goes a long way. Like if everybody picks up two or three pieces of trash on your way to or from your morning surf, yeah. Just like that goes a long way.
2: It really would. Two or three pieces of trash every surf would change things drastically.
1: Totally drastically change things. It's like I make a little pocket on my wetsuit that I shove it in, and if there's bigger pieces, I'll like stick it up like my leg or like in my arm and stuff like that. And I just, you know, I just really like challenge everybody. Right. Like every time you go to the beach, just be mindful and pick up two or three pieces mm-hmm. and like see how that makes you feel. It yeah. feels good too. Yeah. Cause you're giving something back.
2: I saw that arm pocket on the wetsuit over on the rack. I thought it was a key pocket though.
1: It is a key pocket. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I've also used it to uh, put money in when I wanted to go get like I like boated to this wave once in Mexico with some people and it was early morning and we got there and we were surfing and there was this little shack on the beach that like sold like the best huevos rancheros and like some coffee and stuff and I caught a few waves and everybody was out surfing and frothing so I went in and like had some like you know little pesos in my little pocket yeah. like got some breakfast hung out watched everybody and then everybody was obviously starving yeah. and thirsty they went back to the boat and I paddled back out and surfed by myself wow and uh, you know so that's why I made it extra big it fits a key fit some trash right. fit some money
2: perfect awesome
1: it's a little stash pocket you yeah. know like <laughs> get all the, go- the necessities in there you yeah, know yeah. maybe even a little small piece of wax
0: yeah you know
2: Cassia Medor has been a ubiquitous surfer in my memory perfectly embodying form and function in surfing In the media, and just my visualization of the sport, she is always there, representing female wave riding. In a way that Rob Machado personifies the male surfer for my generation, always charismatically posed, photogenic in every frame, from every angle, Cassia exudes the same aesthetic perfection. The kind that somehow succinctly envelops and conveys every intention you've ever had towards riding a wave. She is the form, the silhouette that would ideally fit on a postcard of Waikiki with Diamond Head in the backdrop to represent surfing to all the non-surfers of the world. And in fact, she did play that role as the face of Roxy for well over 10 years. She grew up in Los Angeles, began surfing Malibu as a young teenager, and her surf career has garnered her work outside of surfing. Most recently, she played the starring role in nora jones and billy joe armstrong's music video for their song kentucky in 2015 cassio will be launching a female specific wetsuit line called cassia surf and that's the launching point for today's discussion we recorded this conversation in her high ceiling brick walled industrial workspace in downtown la while round one of the pipe Masters streamed in the background
1: Just really excited to do something um, that's hundred percent pure not filtered like really kind of like all my hopes and dreams and all the things I've ever wanted out of wetsuits and other products it just makes surfing that much more comfortable and more fun mm. you know and also you can just do it better because you're warm and cozy mm. um, so it kind of is coming all from that really you know
2: talk about purity and unfiltered what does that mean exactly
1: To me, it means just, like, having the ability to really do what's in my head, you know, and create it. Um, I think, too, it's like, you know, you get to learn so much working with big companies. And I've been so, like, grateful in so many ways for so many years to be part of one of the biggest companies in the surf industry and to really, like, learn as much as I can from that whole process and the factories they work with and, obviously, starting to design wetsuits about seven years ago. It's been such a cool learning curve, you know? It's like this whole other passion that I found. And, uh... You know, it was just time to go on my own and really do all the things. You know, big companies, they have, you know, kind of minimums they have to hit. They have like certain price points that they have to stick with because that's what everybody knows them as. Um, But with this, it's like, I don't have any rules. There's like nothing holding me back. I can really, I don't have to worry about minimums and I don't have to worry about you know, kind of making something look like a certain thing just because sales or this, that, and the other, you know, it's like there's no barriers yeah. to where I can take this at this point, which is really exciting.
2: It, I wanna ask you about that. You kind of made reference to your relationship with Quicksilver and Roxy, basically.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, have you officially parted ways with them? In, yeah, okay. I officially
1: parted ways with them last fall. Okay. So, last the end of last October. It was just, you know, it was a hard decision to make because, you know, it was like a family being there and I grew up with them, you know? It was like the Wonder Years or something, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was just time, you know? It's like you can only go so far. Um, I kind of related it. The other day I did like a little interview and I kind of related it to like a tree, you know? You plant it in a pot, it can only grow so big and then you have to plant it in a bigger pot. And so it was just time to like you know, move into a different uh, realm of things for me. And it was a hard decision to make, but now I get to create really what I want to make and, yeah. um, you know, do it in the best way possible.
2: So you said, though, or you started kind of designing wetsuits with Roxy, mm-hmm. you said, seven years ago or so. Yeah. Is that kind of the first seeds that were planted of this concept?
1: Yeah, totally. That's yeah. when I first started, you know, for me as a surfer, um, I've always felt like what we wear in the water is really our personality, you know, mm. but we've also been so limited in that. In um, terms
2: of like colors or...
1: In terms of colors, and in, ter- in terms of design, you know, um, just in terms of everything, you yeah. know, it's like... Yeah, we like, for the most part, have black wetsuits. Some of them have a couple colors on them, whatever. They, they started getting more colorful. They were super colorful in the 80s, you know. Right. Everybody was getting all sorts of crazy stuff. And then we went through this kind of like 90s grunge period or something. Yeah. something. Everybody's just all blacked out, right. you know. And uh, it was cool to really start bringing color back in, especially for the women, you know. Mm-hmm. like. We love to our, express ourselves with color and fashion and what we wear. And so why would we kind of, um, you know, subdue our personalities in the water with black wetsuits? Sometimes I feel like wearing a black wetsuit. It's yeah. cold, you know what I mean? Big sure. waves. I want to wear something black. But when it's like sunny, you're surfing with your friends, having the best time ever. Like, I want to be colorful and I want to feel colorful.
2: Well, tell me then about the design, design aesthetic with Cassia Surf. What's the idea?
1: Well, for the first collection that we're doing, my whole idea is like, I really am interested in space, you know? And I'm really interested in like, obviously like kind of like a throwback of surfing. Like I've always ridden single fins and kind of just like more retro style boards. So to me, I really wanted to combine the future with the past. Mm. And so that's kind of why it's like space tie-dye. You know, it's almost like a tie-dye vibe, but then it's like not totally tie-dye. It still has space elements. Yeah. So I really... Was excited to incorporate that with also different materials. Oh, okay. Like I'm using um, a combination of kind of smoothie rubber to protect from the wind and to make you warmer in graphic ways that I think like aesthetically like kind of really complement the tie-dye, but Mm -hmm. it's still also functional. Like it looks cool. Yeah. But then it has a functional aspect to it too that I think is so imperative to wetsuits and keeping us warm.
2: Absolutely. I like the contrast between the tie-dye and the black. Like, the stark black with the tie-dye looks really rad. Cool. Thank you. And it's also
1: when it gets wet, too, because, like, the jersey that the tie-dye is printed on, you know, it's a little bit more flexible. It's a little bit looser, but it also has that matte color. Mm -hmm. And then mixing it with the smoothie uh, panels that I'm putting in the chest, like those triangle panels that I'm putting in the chest, it really keeps your, like, you know, internal organs warm, and it keeps the wind off your chest, and keeps you warmer, but with having more flexibility. And then, you know, obviously in the water, the, the smoothie reflects the 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 water you know so it kind of has that shine to it which i really think is cool
2: yeah i think it's really cool um what about tell me about materials like where are you sourcing from where the wetsuits manufactured all that sort of thing
1: yeah so i'm working with japan on my fit patterns and to get the best design possible i mean obviously we all know that japan's the best at making wetsuits yeah um but to cut and sew things in japan um, you know, is really expensive because mm-hmm. they have like labor costs similar to ours, if not more. Yeah. So basically, by working with Japan, I'm getting the best, like most technically designed wetsuits, and then we're doing all of our cut and sew in Taiwan.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: um, that way, it's going to be a little bit more affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be like crazy Japanese prices, but it's also not going to be competitive with the wetsuit prices of most of the other surf industry mass Um,
2: produced wetsuits
1: yeah they won't be totally mass produced you know what i mean i'm going to be doing like smaller more kind of like limited collections right and i'm just going to do one awesome collection each year because a lot of the companies you know have to keep up with the fashion cycles of the rest of the products that they're selling with the brand so it's like exactly two collections a year and maybe in australia they miss out by the time it's summer there they're on the next collection and maybe the color that they liked isn't available anymore so i'm really just making a limited collection and then letting that collection like go through the year
2: right smart um where will the wetsuits be available so
1: the wetsuits will be available online okay and uh we're going to be doing pre-sales which is cool and pre-sales will be up uh next month oh okay and the pre-orders actually will ship before they ship to stores so they'll be available in stores early april um and then they're going to ship to pre-order customers you know end of march worldwide worldwide. Wow. Except for Japan. Japan's the only place that I'm not going to sell online. I'm just going to sell in stores because I have a distributor there. Oh, okay. So it'll be available in a couple stores. And then all the information on all the stores that we're going to be in because we're not going to be at a lot of stores. We're going to be at very like select stores.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um and that'll be all available online. So if people want to go try it on, check it out, maybe buy it in a store because they just want to get it right then and there. Right. That will all be available on the yeah. website.
2: Awesome. And one thing we didn't discuss is it's a strictly female line, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a girl and (laughs) what got me interested in making wetsuits in the first place was, you know, I wanted to make wetsuits that really, you know, complemented what I need. Um, When I
2: was a kid, I don't think they even had female wetsuits that I remember. Did they? Or I remember seeing girls wear guys' wetsuits. Yeah, Yeah.
1: totally. And there's still a lot of women that wear guys' wetsuits, you know, because especially some of the warmer wetsuits... Um, Some of the other brands just don't make them. They'll make three twos, maybe four threes, but they're not making really heavy-duty suits for the most part. There's only a couple doing it. So um, a lot of girls, you know, that surf in, like, New York and it's snowing or they surf up in, like, San Francisco or somewhere like that. Like, Mm -hmm. definitely kind of get guys' suits because they're just more comfortable and warmer.
2: Right. So, uh, obviously... Launching the brand—that is the focus. Do you have any ambition at all to expand into men's wetsuits at some point in the future, or is that not even a thought at this point?
1: Well, no. Like I definitely have thought about it. I mean, before I do that, there's like other products that I really want to bring into the marketplace that I think are missing for women, and that I think will really complement the wetsuits. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? They'll just make your whole time surfing more fun and you know easier and more cozy.
2: Anything you want to talk about, or?
1: Um, well. You don't have to. Yeah, either. coming soon. Okay. <laughs> coming soon. I'm just like definitely trying to tell people like, hey, go on the website, follow our News Blast. Yeah. Because the News Blast is going to let you know what we're up to. And there's going to be a bunch of different little limited edition products. and right. Things that I'm excited to get out there.
2: Awesome. Um, you talked about, like I think you talked about your relationship with Quicksilver and Roxy, mm. obviously. And now kind of exploring this and be able to do things on a smaller scale and more... I don't know detailed let's say i think like there's we've seen kelly slater for example following a pretty similar path with his clothing brand that he's doing and um it almost seems like you guys have parallel paths in that respect you know where it's like he kind of outgrew his britches there and tried to apply it seemed some of his ideas with his vstr brand and um when that didn't work out it's like well i guess i gotta go do this on my own if you guys can't help me do that but it seems like when those big brands have grown that they've kind of forgotten about their original core community of surfers and they don't really cater to the core community of surfers anymore Mm. but it leaves gaps in the marketplace for smaller brands to pop up and do like these very niche kind of things, you know?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like, too, it's like the evolution of the surfing community, you Mm. know? There's more different people from all different facets of life getting interested in surfing, you know? And I think that, you know, yeah, there's like a youth culture market, but then there's also this kind of like more sophisticated like market of people that are kind of more our age, you know? And they're not really being spoken to by very many brands, you know? So I think there's a huge, there's a huge hole in the market in that sense, you know? And I want to supply for those people because I'm one of those people. Absolutely. You know, and it's like, I know what I want. Like, right. I know what I want to help carry me to the beach every day. And like, you know, and it's it's awesome to be in a place to really be able to service that and really be able to dream up all these awesome ideas and right. actuate them on, yeah, it's more of a, it's more of a small scale, but it's also more concentrated. Where, you know, some of the bigger brands are huge brands, you know, it's mm-hmm. like they have to service so many different SKUs, like they, they make so many different products, they, they're doing so much constantly that um, they're not able to focus as much attention on things. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what, with. It's so cool with this, I get to really focus. And I really want to focus on the wetsuits and make the best wetsuits I possibly can. And then focus on really bringing the other products and and spend the time and the energy on that. Not just kind of do it as a second thing, like to get something out there.
2: Which is how those brands started as well. Like Quicksilver just making board shorts. Yeah. you know, And that was the focus. Bob like
1: snapping things in in his garage, you know? And that's, that's the thing. It's like almost like companies get so big at some point that they just can't, like they actually can't, they physically can't. It's like restaurants, you know, Mm -hmm. when you have like your favorite place to go eat and then maybe all of a sudden it starts to become a chain market and like it gets bigger and bigger and the quality of the food goes down. It's like you can't, by doing things with the masses, you can't accommodate so much the quality. You just don't have, you know, the arms and legs to, to keep up.
2: Totally. Or you're relying on more people and those employees don't have the same passion that you have obviously I think is what happens
1: totally and you bring more elements into the kitchen and things get watered down right. you know what I mean there's like so many different chains of things and and it's not bad it's just the way the yeah, way things exactly. are you know and, and that's why it's so cool with this project being so small in this interim and so kind of like core and, and really you can see this place I'm working I'm, I'm pretty much doing a lot of things on my own and I'm lucky to be working with like fantastic people um, you know cool Uh, cool e-commerce guys with Free My Store. Mark Tessie is awesome uh, creative director and he's working with me on all the visual assets along with Dane Peterson who's an amazing photographer. So I have a really core team but you know, there's four of us. Right. So, you know. That's great. It's awesome.
2: Um, Talking about kind of underserved markets or people you're in my age, you know, that it's like the brands aren't really catering to our demographic anymore. It seems like there's also media Um, that is now developed in recent years that now caters to our market like back in the day it was just surfer and surfing magazine you know and they certainly don't have a focus in the i don't know ride anything free surf kind of mindset anymore Mm. they devote a little bit of editorial to it but not a lot whereas in the 70s it was almost exclusively that you know but there's been now magazines and certainly websites and all sorts of other media that's come about that accommodates that and focuses on that. And, um, and so I think that it is, I mean, it's a completely different marketplace, but how are you looking to market the brand or are you at all? Do you have any marketing directives yeah
1: i mean i think i definitely have some marketing directives um when it comes to like print media like you know um i'm just not like in i don't have the capacity to like advertise in print but that's where i think that social media and things like that have really lended towards smaller startup brands absolutely yeah it's like we have the whole access to reach everybody with you know the push of a button
0: absolutely which is
1: fantastic so it's i'm very fortunate to have that in starting up this new project because you know with the limited resources i have like i can definitely reach out to a lot of people and i've been so thankful for all my other sponsors like giving so much love and support for this project because mm-hmm. that you know that speaks volumes and it really helped right and has helped so much um and even some of my friends that have magazines they've given me love like on instagram and stuff like that you know so I definitely feel like I'm really focusing on kind of social media to get it okay, out there sure. in the interim. And um, and also just doing a lot of cool stuff on, on um, I really want to send out a bunch of cool newsletters, you know, on the internet because I feel like speaking to people and keeping them in tune with what's going on every day like we have that access where a magazine only comes out once a month I can be right. sending two week updates to people on like what we're working on and right you know it's it's a cool break from work for the day you know you get to kind of ship out and be like oh this is what's going on yeah and get excited about you know getting some stuff for your next search session so that's kind of where I'm going to be focusing my like media outreach and obviously hopefully seating some of them in some of the kind of top magazines that I really hope to see it in and Um, I'll be going to a trade show uh, in February in Mm -hmm. New York, a new women's contemporary trade show called Axis. And, um, you know, it kind of is a brand new trade show speaking to that whole demographic of people that we were just talking about that hasn't been, you know, like the agendas and this, that, and the other definitely speak more towards the, um, you know, youth cultural part of the surf industry. But this is being more contemporary, price point contemporary, um, you know, companies that are involved with it. Like I'm excited to go out there and show the line and show people out.
2: Very cool. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, female professional surfing, if you don't mind. You finished second, I think, on the longboard tour, 2011, was it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, And then obviously you've had tremendous success as a professional surfer outside of competitive surfing, being Mm. kind of the cover girl for Roxy. Um, So I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on a number of subjects relating to women's surfing firstly is just did you throughout your career or even currently have you ever felt any limitations put upon you just being a female in kind of a male dominated or male run industry
1: um you know what i haven't like i've always had so much love from the guys you know and i i've been so fortunate in that and i think that you know um growing up surfing malibu a lot like everybody was just stoked that I was out there and like I've been around like, you know, I've been lucky to be around great people like my whole career that have been like super positive and supportive. Yeah. Um, so I really don't feel any limitations. I mean like obviously, you know, as kind of like the whole industry goes like status quo um, when it comes to like financial gains or whatever, like men do make more than women, you Sure. Know? especially like shortboarding makes more than longboarding and like you know what i mean which there's is true kind for of... the
2: men short men's shortboarding versus men's longboarding that's true as well too totally certainly.
1: like across the board yeah, you know yeah. what i mean and so um you know definitely there's that part of it but i don't think like in the water or anything like that i've ever like had any like you know weird vibes like yeah you'll run into people that are just like Whatever They'd cut you off on the highway just like they will in the ocean, Absolutely, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I don't think it's specifically because I'm a
2: woman or anything like that, you know? Right. Do you, How do you feel about the way that female professional surfing is marketed?
1: I think, um, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, female professional surfing, like, it's definitely, I guess, um, there's a lot of buts, you know? Sure. So definitely. the criticism
2: is... That it's highly or hypersexualized, you know.
1: Yeah, do I you guess.
2: do you feel that concern at all? I mean, my my kind of counterpoint to that is male surfing is highly hypersexualized in a lot of ways, you know. Um, Absolutely, but that's not our plight, and that's not something that we've we as males have struggled against mm. in terms of advancing our careers. Whereas I can understand that females might feel subjugated for that reason in the workplace environment, and this is you know, an extension of that?
1: Yeah, I guess, like, you know, I mean, if girls are being advertised to sell more girls' clothes, you know, you're speaking to other women, not men, you know? And I think that there is something where, like, you know, women want to look sexy. They want to look powerful and sexy, but there's, like, a way to, like, show that sexiness, I think, that sometimes is totally missed, you know, in the surf industry because it's an empowerment. Like, it's a thing, like, that's yours. You have that. And that's, like, you know, something that, like, Whatever, like that's like part of like you know giving you inspiration to go into the next thing if it's like shown in the right way, you mm. know. Um, I think when it's like smutty and it's just like showing girls like you know what I mean, like from like almost like a bad magazine, like you know what I mean, like a yeah. dirty magazine kind of way. Then that's not really that's not really good for the surf industry, nor is it good for the for the women that are in it, you know. Right. um So I think it's just like the context, you know. But I think that there is a an awesome empowering way to show um you know the femininity and um you know in in like a awesome like sexual way that's like positive for women like okay like this is rad like we have this you know it's like yeah we have curves and we have this that and the other and that's like that's like of our gift you know just like guys have like strength more physically in exactly. some ways, you know so i think that there's a way to do it right and even with like the marketing for this stuff like i really want to show like powerful women in a sexy way in a beautiful way
2: yeah there is a sexiness to the imagery that i've seen that you've put out with the brand but it isn't overt and it isn't for the sake of being sexy you know? no totally i mean I, I think
1: back to like somebody like a iconic figure like marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. You know, she was very sexy, but there was something very like, um, you know, there was like an elevated taste level, you know, there yeah. was like a way kind of like, I think like in the 50s and 60s was like a cool time where they showed some women that were like strong, rad women who were beautiful and who were sexy, but it was also like an empowering you know, sense, sensible way. And I think that, I guess that's where I'm getting a lot of inspiration from, you know yeah. what I mean? Because I think that time period was really lended to that, you know, right. it was more refined.
2: What was your experience like traveling on the World Longboard Tour, um, as opposed to just your free surf experience? Do you have a preference? Do you like competition?
1: Um, I mean, I guess I never really traveled on a tour, oh, you know, because there never was one. Okay. Yeah, yeah like I, I would like, you know... When I was a kid, I would surf some of the club contests because it was fun and it was a way to meet other people, you know. But I've never really been a competitive person in that way. Like, yeah, everybody likes to win something when they go do it. But, like, at the end of the day, it was more just about hanging out with everybody and and traveling, you know. And then in in the last kind of couple years, like, I did those contests because my sponsors were involved with supporting them, you know. So I showed up for that. But um, that was pretty much the only reason I was there. I mean, I think it's good – to have competitive aspect of surfing, but I've always kind of been more into the lifestyle. Sure. Um, and that's just like kind of my personal flavor, I guess, you know? Like yeah. I just... Because for me, like surfing is who I am, you know what I mean? I'm a surfer and like it's something I do and it kind of translates into all the other passions in my life. It's like kind of not something for me that's like really, like I want to win this. And I, you know, like, yeah, it would be cool to have won a world title, but I never did. You know, like, but also my mind wasn't really ever there.
2: It takes so much dedication to do something like that, that Mm. it really does distract from other parts of it and your enjoyment of it maybe that yeah you gotta weigh out what if it's worth it or not or how equitable that exchange is you know
1: totally and i think that's where it's like something that it it just never really you know there was other things i was interested in and i was off like shoot like i'd rather spend money and go on a cool boat trip with people and ride some weird boards and have this experience you know than like train super hard to win something but i totally appreciate the people who do because that's like what fuels them and everybody has different things that fuel them you know
2: do you follow um the asp at all Not really. You don't.
1: I mean, I know Kelly Slater's a man. (laughs) And I know that, uh, you know, but yeah, it's just something that, I mean, I guess like, too, that's kind of like the more athletic aspect of surf culture. That's, uh, it's just kind of really different to what I do. Like, I love to pull up on the beach and hang all day in the back of a van and make some food and everybody's hanging out and maybe there's a bonfire at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just what I really love. It's awesome to watch some of the world's best compete in amazing waves, you know, for sure. And I, like, really appreciate that, especially watching something like Pipe, like we're watching right now. I know. It's so Kelly. Oh,
2: no, that's not Kelly. Oh, Mick.
1: Oh, Oh, Mick. He's so sweet. sweet. Um... Yeah. So it's like, I love watching it, but it's just not my thing. But I think they're both super important to complement each other because yeah. yeah, there's some people that just, you know, want to do like what I'm doing. And then there's some people that get into surfing, especially some of the kids, they get into surfing and they really want to like compete and they want to be the best. And I think that there's awesome for like the ability that surfing has, it has different avenues kind of for everybody. I think now more than ever.
2: Now more than ever for sure. But the equation to make a living as a non-competi- non-competing non professional surfer is more murky you know there's not True. like a direct linear line for how to do that
1: totally totally so, there is no linear line there's no formula i guess which right. with, with the contest is a formula right. i was speaking with somebody the other day and you know they were talking about i guess too like when you go back to like the beginning of surfing, surfing before it was like, you know, people that were free spirits or search searching for like almost like a spirituality in the yeah. ocean. There was know?
2: no living to be made at that time.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And they were the pioneers. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, how do we how do we make a living out of this and like stop just having like rad like. Tents in the trees or something and, and living on the beach or whatever. And then, you know, obviously, kind of this more formula, the ASP was formed and right. there was competitive contests and people were world champions and this, that, and the other. So I think it kind of really shifted the whole um, culture that way because it was like, oh, well, yeah, now we have this opportunity. Let's all jump in, you know? And then I think it, that kind of got to a point where it was like, okay, well, there's so much focus on competitive surfing and there's so much focus on that. Like, what about the roots what about like the people that just want to surf because that's all they think about every day you know like they don't really want to like compete but they just love the lifestyle so I think like that's opened up again but there is no real linear line on how to make it or how to do it you know what I mean I guess it's just a little bit of just going out and doing it and helping people dig what you're into
2: well then maybe I mean you could probably speak to that more than anybody though it's like you know, what is the circulation of longboard magazine versus surfer magazine? Because if you're not competing to make a living, you're relying on exposure for the brands that support you. And they're willing to compensate you depending on how much you are exposed. True. And so, um, what are the limitations for that as a female longboarder, you know?
1: Um, I think, like, there's really not many, really. Like, I think that, you know, there's a lot of magazines, um, whether they're shortboard or longboard magazines that, like, support, you know, like women and women longboarders, like there's magazines like Beach Days, which are primarily kind of more long, you know, obviously yeah. more longboard, more retro style, More lifestyle, for more sure. More lifestyle, you know, and they kind of really speak to the lifestyle that I'm interested in. Yeah, there's Longboard Magazine, there's a bunch of Japanese magazines. So I think like publication, there's a lot of publications, like Monster Children shows like shortboarding and longboarding right. and like other magazines do too. And and I think like also like video parts. right. You know, I think those are things that always stuck out to me. And I think that's what's also helped me with my, you know, career, I guess, and the longevity of that too. And, and the exposure, like what we were talking about is um, having the opportunity to, to work with a lot of awesome people making really cool videos.
2: Right. See, to me, I, I think like there's actually more marketability and more appeal to the things that you're talking about in the lifestyle that you're interested in, the surfing that you're doing, mm. than there is... To you know, one of the you know Adam Melling or whatever surfing lowers to the general public, to the people living in Middle America, they probably want prefer or find more appeal in watching you surf a wave at Malibu than Adam Melling surf a wave at lowers. You know, I would think.
1: Yeah, I think in some ways it's more relatable. You know, they can see themselves maybe doing something like that. They have this dream of going to Hawaii on a summer vacation. Absolutely, yeah surfing in Waikiki or maybe coming to California and pulling an old van up to San Onofre and playing bocce ball and hanging out and going for a a wave and I think too it's like when we were talking about I think more that youth culture Mm -hmm. I think that youth culture is maybe more interested in like what the fannings and the parkos and all that because it's like those kids they see these like heroes and they want to be the best right? you know and surfing is brand new and they have their whole life to like achieve that right? where I think that people that are kind of more our age or kind of found surfing in a later part of their life or whatever they can you know it's accessible Mm -hmm. like they're they're never going to see themselves doing like a huge six foot you know superman air but like to go ride a cool little longboard wave at malibu it's like yeah okay i can put myself there i can see that happening maybe one day yeah so i think there's a little bit more space uh for them to relate to what i'm doing and also or other free surfers like us are doing and also like dream themselves there too which is cool
2: well when you look at The brands that kind of use surf imaging um, in their marketing, like uh, Pacifico Beer and things like that, Mm. really what they're showcasing is what you're talking about. They're having a beach bonfire, you know, and hanging out in the sand with longboards, you know, sticking out of the back of a Jeep or something like that. But they're not really showcasing somebody doing the Superman air. I
1: think it's more, you know, I think it's more inclusive and less exclusive in that way, Mm. you know, because it's almost like these people are these like elite creatures that like, you know, like almost like unicorns, you know, they exist in like a different world where like, we're like having fun and it's relatable. Like everybody can throw a couple longboards in the car, go down to the beach with a bunch of friends and have a good time, you know, even if it's your first time surfing, you might be able to get up and ride a wave and feel what that's like.
2: Yeah. And I personally enjoy that so much more like I've gone through phases in my life where I'm just focused on improving my surfing Mm. and then I get out of the water frustrated when I didn't improve you know and I'm surfing the pier in Huntington and comparing myself to everybody else in the water and it becomes a completely different thing whereas when I just kind of like whether it's on a longboard or not when you're just kind of in that mentality you just enjoy it you enjoy being in the water you can kind of appreciate the sunrise or the sunset or whatever it is, put less pressure on yourself, you know? That's
1: the thing. I feel like, too, in life, it's like people are competing so much with the world, you know, like on the freeway or getting to work or, you know, getting this deal signed or doing this. And for a lot of those people... Um, surfing is a release they just want to go let go they don't want to have any restrictions they just want to have space to like breathe you know and I think that it's that space to breathe that's really beautiful and what also makes surfing so much of like a beautiful thing to be able to be a part of but also like almost like in some way people are like oh yeah you know like if they're talking about spirituality or religion, they're like, my my religion's the ocean, you know, because it really is, you yeah. know, it's like a communion with something bigger than us, and that's like a really special thing to be able to to understand. Yeah, and really only a surfer like knows a feeling, and that's so true, you know. It's like right. such a, like a coin phrased everywhere uh, statement, but it's also so true. Like only a surfer really does know what it's like yeah. to wake up at four in the morning and get to the beach and freeze your butt off for like perfect offshore waves mm-hmm. and have the biggest smile on your face, you yeah. know.
2: Um, what's your current travel schedule and relationship like with surfing?
1: Um, I'm surfing as much as possible. Uh, not every day like I used to, you know, like every day I wake up and like, that was my focus surfing. And I drive all up and down this coastline until I did that, you know, where now it's like, I'm really, you know, interested in shooting photos. I'm really like excited about, you know, the Cassia surf line and getting other products going. And, and this has been like a huge undertaking in an awesome way. And I'm learning a lot. Um, from every aspect of it, but I definitely like pick my, pick my moments. Like when I know it's rainy and it's going to be like windy all day, like, I mean, with surf forecasting too, we kind of know the right. days that it's worth it. So I really try and work, work as much as possible on days that I know that surfing's not an option. And when the waves are good, I'm there when it's good.
2: Right. You know, it's funny. I've, I mean, I, maybe it's a factor of just getting older too, and you have more life responsibility, but it's like, I, um, I've learned to enjoy different facets of life now. You know, I enjoy work. I enjoy going to an occasional movie or spending time with family and all these other things almost as much as I enjoy surfing. And if I kind of try to balance out my life and do those other things, those surfing experiences are actually more enriching, you know? So I think it's all about balance. And back when I was chasing surfing every single morning when you wake up, you, you don't enjoy it as much, I think. Yeah, because yeah. you're forcing it, you know
1: what I mean? Yeah. Like you said before, it is about balance, you know? And like, I don't surf every single day now, right. but when I do, and it's good, like I enjoy it, like you said, like more, so much more. Yeah,
2: it seems to have more impact.
1: So much more impact, it's yeah. like, it's that much more special because it's not an excess, it's not like, you know, before I'd roll up and be like, oh, the waves aren't that good, whatever, you right. know? Where now I'm like, dude, it looks so fun, like right. I'm out there, you yeah. know?
2: So what is your current um, relationship like? And especially with travel, are you doing a lot of trips nowadays or how does that work?
1: Yeah, I'm still doing a lot of trips, which is cool with like some of the other people that I'm, I'm like still working with, you know, and then obviously that's cool because it also helps get my brand out there even more. Um, so that's been super fun. I was just down in Mexico uh, this weekend. I'm headed to Hawaii with uh, oh, uh, everyone from Stance, so that'll be fun. Oh, good. And it's cool because then I get to bring my wetsuits there, and then I'm in those too. And like, it's cool because it keeps on, it keeps it evolving. And and you know, obviously, those things are what brought me to designing wetsuits and wanting to start my own company and and working with these these other companies. And so it's cool that we all still get to like work together. You know what I mean? Who it's are like those? Collaborating. Who
2: are those brands? Stance. Stance is
1: super rad I love those guys and they've done so much uh, in the industry and it's really awesome to see and they support some great people and are always like so supportive of creative endeavors mm-hmm. for all other punks and poets and they're just like good people yeah. you know um, they have like a gym and all this cool stuff like at their facility down south and yeah, it's just kind of the dreamiest workspace ever you yeah. know um, it's like I don't know like the Google of the surf industry or something you know yeah, people that's are a really good,
2: stoked good analogy yeah
1: Totally so that's cool and then rain I've been a long time work, um, working with rain since they kind of started So they're a great company to work with and
2: sunglass company.
1: Yeah, sunglass company like their visual aesthetic super awesome And then uh, I still work with Gravis footwear.
2: Okay, um,
1: they're just straight out of Japan um, But they're really cool and Captain Finn Mitch makes awesome Awesome fins and it's fun because I do a little collection with them. So that's really cool and then um, you know, I still ride Hawaiian pro design model T's um, when it comes to boards, like my friend Dan Peterson makes me a couple surfboards too. And uh, I've gotten a couple smaller boards from like Manny Caro with Mandala.
2: That's who I think I saw uh, your brand first. I think he was the one who posted an Instagram where I saw your wetsuit line first.
1: Cool. Yeah. yeah. Manny's an awesome dude. I love He's his super boards. cool. He's such a cool guy. Such a cool guy. And he makes. I mean, like, his Arctale quad is, like, the funnest board is it? ever. It's so fun. It's crazy. Hmm. That's one I think that everybody should ride. And he has this other one, the Dark Crystal, because I kind of like finless boards, and he's made me a couple of those, and they have, like, a little bit of a fin on them. And
2: Yeah, just like the little back. side, like a Bonser fin almost.
1: Almost like a Bonser fin, but smaller. But, like, they're so loose, but you can still turn, stand up and do, like, a bottom turn, like a proper bottom right. turn. And it's, like, awesome. Like, I love those boards.
2: Yeah, I'm interested in his just... Um, I don't know, theory, design theory, you know? Like, he's got a lot of interesting ideas.
1: Yeah, everything he does is off of sacred geometry. Right. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, he's like the mad scientist, you know?
2: Yeah, it's conceptually very interesting. I haven't put any effort into, like, applicability yet. Yeah. But the concept is all really interesting.
1: No, totally, totally. Yeah. The numbers of nature and how right. they relate to you know, surfing. And yeah. I think there's so much there with that. And it's awesome that that's his like focus. You totally. know? He's really so into that. Like, yeah. I think he made the dark crystal with three circles taking away the outer part. And like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, he has like, I mean, these books, they're like, you know, scriptures or of like the craziest, like, you know, like math and circles and geometry in there. It's like, it's like yeah. looking at some Da Vinci stuff or something.
2: And to be able to be a uh, talented enough craftsman to then put that into a surfboard you know and it put it into practice craft with your hands what you are conceptualizing
1: absolutely Super it's really cool. cool it's really cool and then this guy Eden Saul from Australia when I went over to Oz he made me a couple boards he has a line called Dead Kooks
0: hmm, but know.
1: anyway he's like uh, he made me a couple single fins that are really fun cool um, so it's cool like I'm lucky to get you know boards from like really cool people that are all making different stuff right you know and like really, the best of like what they're making, like it's fun to try out different things. Yeah.
2: So those trips, though, are they um, like photo objective trips for editorial or product shoots, or? It depends. Goals? You yeah. know, like
1: it's kind of all over the board. Like I was just down in Mexico uh, doing some like photography and campaign stuff, uh, surfing in it, you know, and video stuff for uh, this one kind of brand uh, that I'm going to start working with that I can't really talk about yet because it's all about to come out. But um, And then, you know, Hawaii, I go with stands for a few days and they'll probably shoot some photos. And, and uh, I know that there's a bunch of media and stuff like that coming out for the trip, so that'll be really cool. It cool. um,
2: seems know, like an ideal lifestyle.
1: It's, yeah, it's super <laughs> ideal, you know? And then I'm gonna go to Mexico just with my boyfriend and some friends for Christmas, just to oh, go wow. surfing and just wow. surf, you know? Uh, no cameras. Nice. No nothing, you know, just us in the ocean, which is so awesome. Yeah,
0: it is. Um
1: and then yeah, basically I get back here and I'm gearing up for that trade show, so I'm just going to be kind of focused and working here as much as possible and and getting uh the suits online so we can start the e-commerce and getting things going like that. Right. So right now I'm like working on my balance. Like you yeah. were talking about it before like I'm like really trying to like navigate the fine flow of everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um What's your ambition? with Cassia Surf, kind of on the long term, what are your thoughts, Uh, I mean obviously releasing wetsuit line is your immediate goal, Mm. but what do you see long term, you know, 10 years down the road and what would you like for it to be?
1: Um, I would like for it to grow into a cool conscious company that like gives back, you know? I mean, I really feel strongly about giving back to the world and like helping clean up some of the trash that we create with all of our, you know, Mm-hmm. passion projects and and things like that it's like I want to do something like that like I go to Indonesia and I see like there's so much plastic everywhere and it's just like more obvious in places like that um, that don't really have the infrastructure and I think like as Western people we go to places like that and we take and take and take and I really want to be in a position and grow this company to a position where I can give back um that's like super huge for me um I just want to really create like, you know a company that has longevity a really healthy good company that makes great products that people can stand behind um and that are like thoughtful and conscious that's like really my goal you know and then to support the next generation to get to a place where I can you know uh right now I'm gonna kind of sponsor this one girl Lola Mignot. um just with wetsuits and helping introduce her to people. She's 16 years old, she lives in Mexico and she's a really, really good surfer and I see like her talent. So hopefully introduce her to some people and and just like, you know, kind of focus on her at first because that's all I kind of can do. Yeah, sure. But then like grow it into more people and I mean, I'm kind of making suits more for women my age, not like the youth culture, but I I still think it's important to really kind of support the next generation because obviously I was so fortunate to have so many people support me, so. yeah. Um, I'm like right now I'm one person so I can only do so much but like start small and you know be thoughtful with everything I do and just grow it in a good steady way
2: good that's the plan what part of Mexico is she from
1: she's from actually France and then she lived on a sailboat for a while and then her mom went to Mexico and now she lives in Mexico So she's kind of had a cool nomadic lifestyle for a kid.
2: It's a lot of life experience for a (laughs) 16-year-old. Yeah, she's,
1: like, really advanced, you know. it's like, And I kind of, like, I see her and I'm like, man, that was kind of me. Like, I took off and started traveling when I was 15, 16 and was doing it on my own. And people are like, wow, your parents let you do that. But I had a good head on my shoulders and I was always around good people and I, you know, like, had good instinct, you know. And I see this kid and she's doing the same thing and it's kind of awesome. It's like, you know, it's awesome when parents are supportive and nurturing of their kids in a way that, like, lets them live their dreams but they trust them too and they don't force things on them Yeah, it's like through my career too I've seen so many kids um, that have just been you know like their parents like almost like push them but in like too much of a way Right, and it's a bummer you know and it's like I mean, everybody has their own parenting skills and I'm not trying to tell kids how to raise their parents, but it's awesome. Like I see this kid and I see her family in the way that they support her. And it was similar to the way that my family supported me. And, um, she's just out. I mean, she bought herself a one way ticket and it's just in California right now. Wow. You know, and that's cool. Like she wants it for herself. It's not like her parents are pushing her to want it, which I like that.
2: Is her ambition to be a professional surfer? She really wants to be a professional surfer Mm -hmm. and I
1: see it in her and she's good. She's really good. Does she compete? She does a couple contests like Malibu and some of the club contests. You know, she's not over like at the W Longboard Tour in China. Um, but she also kind of rides more retro boards and kind of right. rides the boards that I like riding more. I really like her like surfing style. She's really smooth. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's another thing I think too with like competitive surfing. That's why Joel's uh, duct takes are so cool, you know, because yeah. they're just fun and they bring in the spirit and it's the kind of longboarding I love to watch. I can appreciate all kinds of longboarding but at the same time like you know when it comes to high performance wrong longboarding I really don't care to watch it
2: I know yeah I kind of feel the same way too Mm. and um you wonder like how I mean all competitive surfing is subjective obviously it's hard to really define an objective judging criteria but it seems even more true with longboarding you know than with shortboarding
1: totally it's like putting like you know Jackson Pollock and Picasso in like an art contest or like you know like Rembrandt like you're like how okay all these styles are so like or Caravaggio the way he did light it's like you know you have all these styles that are so different they're all art but like how do you you can't compare one to another you know and I think with longboarding because there's really so much the two different schools of it that um, that it's really hard. And that's why Joel's broken away and does his own invitational thing. And that's why he doesn't really do the ASP stuff. And, like, you know, and, and I think it's good that that's there because there's some girls that love to do that stuff. And there's some guys that love to surf that way. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that there's kind of like another avenue, um, which is just kind of more of the people that are into the throwback type of longboarding, which like I'm into, you know, so.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny. I, I share a similar preference too like I I prefer the throwback it just seems more natural Mm. to me the high performance stuff seems forced and it's I have delicate sensibility you know and it kind Mm. of offends it like somebody posted an Instagram the other day it was a guy on a longboard wearing a jersey so it was a contest I don't know where it was but he did a chop hop on a longboard and stomped it and then like connected the shore break and got barreled on the inside but it was like why would you even think to do a chop hop on a longboard? Like, I'd never even conceived of that. It's kind of cool that he did it, but it also just looks so forced that it, like, shocked my system almost witnessing it, you know? Oh, it's kind of well, funny. It's
1: kind of, yeah. And, like, and it's not to discredit those surfaces. Obviously, they're, like, very talented that they can do a chop hop on a longboard and pull into a barrel. Right you know like
2: yeah that it did take talent no yeah
1: question. like it's like so it's not to discredit that but yeah it's just like that's not what i want to see like i'd rather see that guy on like a shortboard then right. doing like a proper air right. and pulling into a barrel and pro- you know what i mean and that's just like and that's where it's subjective and that's where it's personal preference and like nothing's right or wrong but i, I think with longboarding you know too it's it's longboarding like what separates it you know yeah it
2: it is subjective but i and, but I'm not sure that there is no right and wrong. I feel like it's very difficult to articulate what's right and wrong, mm. but I have a feeling inside of me that feels like there is a right and wrong, you know? It's an emotional response more than it is able to articulate. Um, on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, I was having a conversation with somebody last week about like Ruka put out this edit with Alex Nost. Mm down in Mexico, and then Visla put out one with Derek Disney during the Hurricane Marie swells in Orange County, and they were so stylized, and both of those guys I like a lot, and I think they're both incredible surfers, but in these two edits, they were just like, like Alex didn't make a single barrel. He's surfing this right-hand point break in Mexico, like where it's barreling perfectly, and he doesn't make a single one of them, because he's just getting super styled out and doing these bottom turns where he's like nose riding and bottom turning. And it looks rad, but then like pulls into the barrel without any drive and it isn't able to connect the dots and get blown out the end. And I'm looking at that kind of in the same way on the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, style is your sole focus here with zero regard for technique or for... um, I don't know technically be able being able to make the wave that that also offends me i have a lot of reverence for style but this has gone so far to the other end of the spectrum to where now you're not even making a wave like i think getting barreled and making the barrel should be the priority here and then applying style on top of that is what you want to do you know what i mean
1: Oh, totally. Totally. No, I, I can see where that's like, like there is that opposite end of the spectrum that could be. Like... I had
2: never seen it before. I feel like we've just evolved to it now where it's like people will pay me to go to Mexico and just style out. You yeah. Know what I st- mean?
1: Style overtakes like good surfing. Totally. You know? Totally. 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 That's interesting. I haven't seen either of those edits. I'd be yeah. interested to check them out. You yeah. Know? I mean, I've surfed with Alex plenty of times. And, I like, the, the guy Derek, I don't know. Yeah. And, like, man, I've seen Alex do some of the craziest stuff ever.
2: You know? Um, he's an incredible surfer. And I've seen him in Newport landing airs on shortboards back in the day, too.
1: Oh, totally, yeah. So he's, yeah. like, insane. Insane surfer. Yeah, yeah. Such a good surfer. But, yeah, like, maybe, like... He was trying to ride something pretty crazy. There was a rad equipment or something like that that looked cooler. I like who know, you know, who knows. I want to see I want to see the edit. I wonder where they were.
2: Yeah. You'll you could find it. I think it was on Stab.
1: What where was the guy Derek Disney
2: at? Like surfing the wedge, which you don't expect to make a barrel on. Yeah. Um like the other side of the river jetty in corona del mar there's okay. like a big uh soft right that breaks on giant south swells okay and then i think maybe lowers a couple of waves at lowers okay he surfs really well too and he rides really unconventional equipment okay that seems to kind of limit his surfing okay but still usually looks pretty rad
1: yeah yeah you know Surfing, surfing, so interesting, man! It's going through so many changes, like, yeah. which is awesome. But there's just like so much out there. It's also hard to keep up with it all.
2: Yeah, it you is. know, because totally. before
1: it's like I was talking to my friend the other night, and he grew up in in uh brazil and he would like run to the newsstand because they would only get two or three copies of surfer
2: right you know this was back
1: in the day he's like 45 and he's like i'd run to the newsstand because if you weren't the one that got one of those three copies then you were going to get somebody's copy after it was passed around town and there's pages ripped out and yeah and you know those photos were like you know so precious Those few photos and now with everything it's like you know you're getting constant imagery and yeah. constant you know stuff yeah and it's just hard to keep up with it all you're like whoa like you're almost like bored you're like whoa that guy just made the craziest wave ever like whatever totally. you know like you're I, like desensitized
2: It becomes white noise you know like you're scrolling through instagram and any given image that you come across on instagram would have been a cover shot 10 years ago you know, and you got 30 of them in a five minute period. Totally. It's crazy.
1: It's so crazy to be inundated with such imagery, you yeah. know. And and then also how to put something out there that really does stand alone. Yeah. In the, a world when everything's just so instant and so like mass blown out. Right. You know.
2: Yeah. How do you make an impact?
1: Totally. Yeah. That's, it's trippy. It, how? Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's an exciting time, I think, you know.
2: Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it, too. I feel like. Even though it is all white noise, you've never had more access to the raw material, you know, like computers are cheap, cameras are cheap, whatever, that you can actually create more now than you ever could before. Whether or not you find an audience is a different thing, but at least the artist has the raw material now. Yeah,
1: it's so much of it and so much ease at like being able to shoot something and get it out there. Right which is cool. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's not like people are like winding film rolls and like right. you know, yeah. getting exposed to the light and stuff like that. But when they do and it's epic, it's so awesome.
2: Yeah. No, it's definitely an interesting time. Um one of my final questions for everybody that's interviewed is just what was the last surfboard that you rode?
1: Ooh, the last surfboard I rode was my uh, 9'4 pedo pig. Uh, Dane made this awesome pig that's kind of like his staple longboard, you know? Mm-hmm. And he made boards for like myself and Nost and Jared Mell and mm-hmm. like a couple of us. And he sold a couple of them all. It's not many boards. Like it was like a very limited run. And, and uh, when the waves are really good down the line on the longboard, I, that's my favorite board to ride. Because really? it's just, it's all hippie in the tail it's a real throwback and it's real pulled in into the nose, like so different than my Model T. It's like the antithesis, you know? Mm. And um, it's just really groovy and really fun and it's really cool to get on like a down the line like Rincon. It's so fun to ride at Rincon.
2: Where'd you ride that board last?
1: I rode it at Topanga. Oh, okay. Two days ago.
2: How are the waves? The
1: waves are super fun.
2: Yeah, they were good in Orange County then too.
1: Totally, like chest ahead high and just like down the line and good direction for Topanga. Yeah. Um, It was super fun. Awesome. Yeah, totally. I'm like... I kind of thought this storm was going to be more. I was like thinking about heading up to Rincon, but then I was like, oh no, it's going to be so stormy. But I'm like, oh, it's kind of smooth. Like a couple friends are up there. I'm like, what's going on? Maybe tomorrow though. Give it like a a day, you know? Yeah. It's the water gets so dirty. It's
2: crazy. Right. Exactly. Um, Final question. Like talking about the other day, like I surfed two days ago, actually. And there was definitely swell, but it's like, it was a little too high of tide. Sandbars are kind of funky. And um, I think like I actually left the water probably more frustrated than when I entered. You seem to be somebody who always has fun surfing. It appears as though you're always having fun. What's your advice for how to kind of maintain that stoke and always have fun?
1: I think it goes back to what we were talking about before. You know, maybe when I was a bit younger and I was surfing every day. You know what I mean? Like you don't always have the best sessions because you force it and it's about not forcing it it's yeah. about just going out and having a good time when the time's right you know and go out in fun conditions when it looks good like if you go out and it's like stormy and pretty crappy like you're probably not going to have a good time and i i'll still have like an occasion where i come and i'm like man i kind of wish i went to yoga instead of going <laughs> out, you know like yeah it was nice to go in the water but maybe like a body surf would have been better right. you know So I think like things like that, I mean, really kind of lend to having a a better time. And sometimes you just want to go out and it's the crappiest day ever. And you're just like stoked because you're with a friend you haven't seen or maybe you haven't been in the water in a while. So it just it definitely, I think, depends on your mood. You know what I mean? If you go out into the water with a good mood, you're going to have the best session. If you go out in the water and you're like, oh, whatever, you're not going to have a good session. So I think just go out with what you want to bring into your life. the ocean's there to clear it all away i really feel that you know like whatever stress whatever anything like the ocean resets you at a cellular level and i you know that's actually like totally factual um so you know it can also bring up stuff at a cellular level you know i don't know if you ever saw that and this is going to kind of go a little bit abstract but there's this one uh japanese scientist artist guy um i'm totally blanking on his name now but he does this whole thing where he sends like water love like he's like I love you like this is awesome like you're the best or like plays classical music or something like that and the water molecules he then like uh, magnifies them and and photographs them and they look happy Mm
0: -hmm. you
1: know and they're coming together and they're bonding and then he like says like bad stuff like I hate you you're the worst like all this negative stuff uh, to the water and then you know obviously puts it under a microscope photographs it And it comes out all angry and like, you know, dysfunctional looking and like static and like fragmented. And I think too that, you know, it's just like what you, I mean, we're, you know, 70% water and then we're in the ocean. That's all water. Like if you go out and you're in a bad mood, like it's, you know.
2: Yeah. I have seen that, that stuff. Yeah. It's super interesting. It's super interesting.
1: Yeah. Total food for thought. So I think, you know, taking, taking what you want to like, bring back into your life is really important and putting it out there yeah. in that way so if you want to go have a good surf and clear your head like go out there with that mindset and just like be stoked to be out in the water
2: good that's good advice yeah thank you thank you so much yeah, that was awesome absolutely <laughs> now the man
1: circles
0: up and down the block I'd ask him what the matter was but I know and the ladies treat him kindly And furnish him with day But deep inside his heart I know he can't escape
2: CassiaSurf.com is her website. We'll post a link to it as well as photos and video of Cassia surfing on our website, SurfSplendorPodcast.com. I was charmed by Cassia as I expected to be. Um, I once heard Kelly Slater say that he's never felt as though he's ridden a wave perfectly. He always has moments that he could have improved upon. Had his reaction time been quicker, or his body been fitter, or his mind sharper? To me, Cassia Surfing represents a style in which it is very difficult to find flaw. It's simply appealing, and I needn't do it any injustice by trying to articulate its subtlety. Suffice to say, it was a pleasure to finally meet her, and I just hope that we, as the surfing community, see much more of her in the future. If you enjoyed today's episode, we have past episodes with iconic shapers, surfers, publishers, filmmakers, and photographers on surfsplendorpodcast.com or in any popular podcasting app. Everything is archived for free. We only ask that you share the show with friends and maybe even take the time to rate and review the show in iTunes. That simply helps the show grow. We love producing the content, and as long as people are listening, we will continue to do so. Thank you. We're also on social media, at Surf Splendor. There's also a music archive on our website, including this Bob Dylan cover by Cat Power. And every other song that you've ever heard on Surf Splendor is at your disposal on our website. So definitely check that out. Merry Christmas to everyone. I hope that you have an awesome holiday and that you get some waves along the way. I'll be back next week to sign us off officially for 2014. So this is David Scales for Surf Splendor. Until then, saying, ciao.